0: Morelia Python Radio, with your host Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio, and we are one month away from the Northeast Carpet Fest. I'm looking at the date as I see it up here on our outline, and it's 5-8, which means one month will be the Northeast Carpet Fest. What do you think of that, Owen?
2: That you're wrong. It's one month and one day. Carpet Fest is on the 9th.
1: Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah. Well, I ruined that, didn't I? Yeah. Great. (laughs) Remember what we talked about before the show started? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Please no! (laughs) I can't! I can't have this happening in the ranks. (laughs)
2: Uh, (laughs) Ah, insubordination! It is. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Mutiny? Huh? Yeah, it was a simple mistake because technically, um, we have the pre-carpet fest party, and everyone's who's coming from out of town will be arriving uh, on the eighth. So you're you're so
1: correct. (laughs) Please don't fire me. Yeah, so so I didn't tell you, but we're having two Carpet Fests this year, okay? What? So, right. yes, yes, we are having two Carpet Fests. There's the regular Carpet Fest, that's the Northeast Carpet Fest, and then there is uh-huh. the Carpet Fest that is going to wor- welcome Joe and Melissa from the ground up uh, <laughs> to the North. <laughs> to the now North. Now they yeah. members of the, of the Northeast sector. Right. Of the U.S. What?
2: Did they officially move up here or is it still their kind of
1: No, they're moving in July and they're they're okay. kinda of bummed out that they're gonna miss, you know, uh by a month. Um so I told yeah. them that uh we would do uh, you know, like the local uh PA um python people caluber you know reptile people we get to do a little get together go swimming I'll have some beer bring a beers. corn
2: snake for them you know joking joking jo play with one <laughs> of make him happy
1: yeah yeah um i want to give a shout out to those guys because uh they had garrett hartle on last night yeah last night and uh that was a good episode man like uh, very rarely like for us we're just kind of about you know Finding out about the snake and da 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 da, and how to breed it and how to keep it and you know market talk, how to do this full time, all that kind of stuff. But um, they really got into like the person behind uh, Reach Out Reptiles, which was pretty cool. You know, I, I've been toying with this idea for a while about um, and we've done it somewhat. Oh shit! There goes my phone.
2: Um, Goddamn damn springs! Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you heard the springs. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah. Gotta stop doing this. Well, that's because so, I have
2: a. I, I put a. I put it on the tripod on the table, so I don't have oh. springs.
1: Okay, fair yeah. enough. So I'm the loser uh-huh. tonight. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah. Um, shit! What was I even saying? What the hell is going on with know, me I today? I can't remember anything. I, I think don't it's don't too much you, pool work. <laughs> Something is wrong. Oh, no, I was talking about yeah. Garrett Hartle in the episode last night. Anyway, I was thinking right. about, like, um, so for the younger people that uh, are just coming into Reptiles, they don't really know some of the uh, the founders. And, man, what a good idea it would be to have, like, some of those people on just to talk about their stories. Um, mm. You know, uh, I think that we already had uh, one of the legends, Eugene Pissette. And Eugene was the first person to quit his day job and breed reptiles full right. time. And uh, yeah. Eugene usually keeps Owen in line pretty well. Um, he does a good <laughs> job at that. <laughs> keeps him on the straight and narrow. Um, it keeps me
2: on my toes. yeah. And this has me designated as a non-proven breeding male for
1: <laughs> the
2: past six years. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah.
1: We also have, um, we had Peter call on, um, Everybody knows him from, um, you know, uh, boa constrictors, ball pythons and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, uh, you know, that was pretty cool and talking about some of the stories and just how how the, uh, I guess, the reptile industry has progressed over the last, what, 20, 30 years or so. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know, Mm -hmm. just an idea that's been kicking around. But uh, anyway, if you get a chance to uh to check it out from the ground up, you should definitely do it. It was a really good episode and Garrett has some crazy stories man so it's uh it's pretty wild mm-hmm. uh so yeah tonight we're talking with uh with our with our good friend ben um mm-hmm. he for those who don't know ben um he was what would you say um co co-author, part author. He 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 wrote the uh, section wrote on the reproduction. Yeah, yeah, and the Complete Carpet Python. Um and tonight he's going to be talking about reptile genetic testing. So this is something that, that that's like his uh his baby his project, something that I think I think will change uh the reptile industry and take it up another notch. Um so mm-hmm. tonight he's going to talk about all those different things. What's that?
2: I mentioned this to a few people uh, this weekend that I was talking to and uh, anybody who had monitor lizards was exceedingly excited about this. So, um, yeah, I have to, I have to report back or I have to make them listen to the episode, but, uh, they're definitely excited. And I do think it's going to be another pump up. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love this
2: geeky kind of science stuff. Come on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No kidding. Um, so uh yeah, so we'll be talking to him in a second. I don't know. I th- I thought Evan was supposed to call in uh to tell us how this past weekend went with Southern Carpet Fest, but maybe he's still recovering. Uh looks like those guys had uh had an awesome turnout and um uh, mm-hmm. you know, everything just seemed to be uh pretty cool. I don't know uh I don't know, uh Terry uh Terry was wearing a uh some kind of uh yeah. why why
2: was he wearing an inflatable sumo wrestler bodysuit? Was I'm he not doing really this just sure. to get our attention? Because it worked.
0: So Yes it worked. Good um, job, Terry.
2: <laughs> Good job, Terry. Yes. We did notice you. I don't know what they and, were getting into.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's Terry in this sumo outfit. So uh but it looks like they had a great time and uh everything was uh was cool. Um from what I could see. Um yeah i don't know what's going on with you how's your uh your season shaping up or it's winding
2: down i think i only got maybe uh i have three females that are you know probably going to drop eggs I, i'm waiting for my bread to have her prelay shed and then after that dude it's uh three and then maybe a fourth clutch and then that's it i'm done so we'll see how it goes uh I'm having some trouble with the woma eggs. So they're already starting to kind of go downhill, which uh, I was really hoping not to see, but uh you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a firm believer of nothing gets chucked until it smells, which uh is a good thing to live by. <laughs> um the
0: mm.
2: uh and we'll just see. I mean, uh, if it turns out that we didn't get this year, we didn't get this year. I, I told you when they first were laid, they looked kind of, uh, they didn't feel right. didn't look like normal Python eggs. So, uh, I would not be surprised if they all just, just crapped out. So, which, you know, is the first year of breeding those two. So I shouldn't really be too surprised. So.
1: Uh, that sucks. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I know those eggs are, they're tricky, man. I don't know what uh, what the secret is, but they can't get wet at all.
2: I know. And it's just the, um, and they haven't been, but it's like also like add another point to the colubrid column. I had king snake eggs and I buried them in vermiculite and threw them in a bin on top of my snake rack and they're fine. They're going to hatch. <laughs> Nothing else needs to be done with them.
1: Celtics I see your future, play. Owen. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> incubator? What
2: incubator? They're just going up in. Who needs an incubator? <laughs> I don't need an incubator. I just put them over here in this warm spot. They'll hatch. They'll be
1: fine. Right. So, oh, that's yeah. cool.
2: Score one for all your brids.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I had my last, I think my last uh, clutch of the year. Um, yeah. It was that was when I was a- over there. Yeah, it was uh, Cinco de Mayo babies, um, and uh, <laughs> the clutch, what was it, uh, 12 eggs, 14 eggs, 12 eggs, I can't remember. I, uh, anyway, I, I, it was. Uh, I had four slugs, so pretty much for this yes, season, I think I had six slugs, five or six slugs, which isn't too bad, considering I have about 100 babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, So, uh, yeah, it was a granite zebra to a zebra-head granite. So my fingers are crossed that I'll be able to hit that uh, super zebra granite, uh, which is uh, basically a Macloss Python. (laughs) Pretty pretty much.
2: Yeah, it's basically a Macloss Python. We've had that conversation before
1: so uh so yeah that that's that's the last clutch of the year. I don't think the uh ivory girl is uh is good um uh-huh. i think i read ocelot jag uh yeah. i don't think that took uh which is fine it's not like uh i need uh okay, yeah, I got that one it's okay, that's right okay, okay. um it's <laughs> not like i need uh <clears throat> i need a uh Another clutch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> and, and,
2: it's, and it's funny. I didn't even mean to. Like, I wasn't even intending to come over to your place uh, Saturday. It was one of those. Like, I, I, I had this. I went down to Havre de Grace. Um, where, you know, I met a few up with a few people, talked with a few people. Um, found my UR, which is, uh, my God, they have this one color mutation where brown and tan or like cream and brown, they look like a freaking King Cobra. Like, I mean, it just looks like a Cobra. And I'm like I,
0: it,
2: it it's so horrible. Um, but <laughs> I picked up a, a female snake, and I needed to sex it. I'm standing at Andrews, and I'm like, and he's like, I don't have a probe kit. I'm like, how do you not have a probe kit? He goes, I don't probe my shit. I'm like, I'll call Eric, because so I ended up coming to your place. And like staying there for like two hours. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So um, and setting a small fire in your yard,
1: but you know it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: good times. Yeah, it was yeah. Good
1: we time. we were working on the pool today to get it ready for uh, for Carpet Fest, but whew, a lot of work. Cool. Yeah. But uh, definitely. All right. I don't know if there's anything else you want to hit on. Um, I'm good. I guess if uh, Evan at some point wants to call in, we'll get him at the end of the show um, to tell us how Carpet Fest went. But uh, in the meantime, let's get Ben on here and let's let's get into this because uh, I'm sure this is going to uh, <clears throat> going to be awesome. So let's, mm-hmm. let's dive in. Hey Ben, welcome back to NPR. How you doing?
3: Thank you. Doing well. How about you all?
1: Yeah,
3: we're doing Great. all right. <laughs> Good. What like you been swimming in eggs, Eric? <laughs> yeah,
1: man. He's Turning drowning from in nothing. To, ooh, holy shit! <laughs> Could uh, be you know worse. How, like, yeah, yeah. You know how you like don't think that every female is going to go. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> every female went but one. <laughs> so is this
3: the most the the most babies you're going to have in a year?
1: Oh Maybe? hell yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I maybe did four clutches in the past, man. Now it's, what am I up to? 12, 13, 13, 13 clutches.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. awesome.
2: And you got Walmart for the first
3: time, Eric?
1: No, No, uh, I
3: got, sorry, Owen. I got, I got,
2: I got WOMA eggs. Um, Whether or not they become WOMA babies is kind of looking a little dicey right now, but you know, we'll see. Got another 30 days in there, and if they hang on, they hang on. So cool. Yeah, it'd be awesome to get those.
1: So, before we dive into genetic testing and reptiles, I'm curious just to hear what you've been up to, man. How? how what's? What are you working with? And you know, I know you said that you did a lot of, we call them royal pythons on here, but. uh <laughs> 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 you're working with a lot of them. What what made you switch to them? And, like, you know, what 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 do you have going on, et cetera, et cetera? What's, what's new?
3: Yeah, so uh, I – you know, we're pretty well settled here in Virginia now. We've been here for over – well, I guess it's about six years or seven years. 2011. Seven years. It'll be seven years next month. Wow, um, so quick. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so things are – finally settled down when we first moved here i just finished my phd and going to my first job and coming across the whole country with three little kids and a whole bunch of animals it was crazy but and i think that's the the, that was about the same time you started uh this the show because i think i was Mm -hmm. one of your first guests that was not long after i moved to virginia (laughs) Yes. Yeah, 'cause I remember you were getting a a striped jungle from me. We talked a little bit about coming picking it up in person. And yeah. Yeah. It's been yeah. it's been a few years already. <laughs> sure has. <man. laughs> but yeah, so uh, just kind of over time, my kids got old enough that they they liked my my three oldest are girls, and then I got a boy, and the uh, the girls like coming and helping me in the snake room. And they liked working with the the royal pythons, and the other ones <laughs> were a little more complicated or made them a little more nervous. And so I just kind of slowly over time shifted to to mostly having ball pythons. But I do have some blackheads still, and oh, cool. uh, I'm I'm sure uh, over time I'll I'll pick some other species back up again. But for now, it's it's mostly the ball pythons.
1: Do you have a a, a large collection of them, or is it?
3: Um it's the largest collection I've had of ball pythons. Um I've found for me the kind of the sweet spot is to keep it around 100. So I okay. I rarely uh, especially like as far as um medium to you know juvies to breeders I'm I'm well below that but as far as like babies and holdbacks sometimes I'll get a little over that so so whether whatever species it is I I try to not bump above that much. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. So well, that's cool. Big
3: for some people, but small for others.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: True enough. Yeah.
1: Awesome. I thought maybe you moved the switch because I mean, if you're talking about genetic genetics and reptiles, I, I can't think of a Python that has more genetics than, uh, than the ball Python. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah. The, the color and pattern mutations are definitely interesting from a genetic standpoint. And as far as pythons go, most fun to play with uh, corn snakes and some others there's lots of cool stuff to play with too but yeah for right. pythons there's so many different different ways you can go and for uh genetics it's it's very
1: interesting for sure cool awesome all right so maybe i don't know how you want to get into this you just want to jump right into it or how did you how did you get to, to this point and maybe i don't know
3: Yeah, so uh, not long after I moved to Virginia, uh, it was when the Carpet Python book came out. I went out to Tinley Park, and uh, there I ended up sleeping on the floor of Sean Christian's um, hotel room. (laughs) He let me (laughs) crash because I kind of decided last minute. I think both Nick and Justin were were in Australia, or I know at least Justin was. But for whatever reason, I was the only one that was – going to be at Tinley, and, and I kind of came last minute and crashed on his floor, but we talked a lot, and since then, we bounced back and forth ideas of, you know, different business ideas, things we could do to to have more of our life be um, reptile-related, and, uh, <laughs> and probably about three years ago, really focused in, so he's been a huge part of, of this work. I certainly couldn't have got to where I am today without him, his support and help. He's a very good businessman. I am. I am very good with the genetics and DNA and, and playing at the bench in the lab. But um, as far as business stuff, I have very little experience. Um, but for uh, you know people that may not know, he's he's the one that that. So Jim Karaske had the Morelia Python forum first, and then uh, when he decided he didn't want to run it anymore, Sean. I actually paid to keep that going and gave him Mm -hmm. some for a thank you for getting that started. And and now that Facebook and everything else has happened, that's kind of died. But um, Sean's definitely got a huge passion for, for pythons and reptiles in general. And so he's been a huge help. And so these last probably three years, I've really focused in on trying to make it so that we can determine sex in these species that we love safely Um, so there's plenty of breeders that have been working with you know snakes a long time that can pop and probe safely but I remember like for me personally my first experience I had a ball python that had come originally from a pet store my friend bought and I got it from my friend and I wanted to know what gender it was so I took it to the vet, you know, paid for a vet visit, and I could tell when he came in that I knew more than he did,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and he
3: had just looked around his office and found a blunt instrument, and he had read a little bit in uh, Mater's Reptile, vet, you know, Veterinary Reptile. I can't remember the name of the book, but he just read a little bit in there about how to do it. He'd never done it before, and so I didn't know really whether I could trust what he did or not, but <laughs> But uh, it scared me. I didn't want to do that myself. And and even when I did have experience um, with carpet pythons, there's still a couple of times where I miss sex something. And I had somebody send me a, a female, someone that had some experience, sent me sent me an Earing Jeff female to to breed on breeder loan, nice and big and awesome, ready to go. And uh, I put her in, and the next day I saw her um, very clearly with hemipenes out trying to uh, (laughs) impregnate my smaller male. (laughs) So uh, it was not a girl. (laughs) So, I mean, that kind of stuff happens. Green tree pythons are much more difficult. Um, I've learned just over these last few days when I said I was going to come on here, I've had other people talk to me. Um, There's some, you know, I'm this with colubrids as well. There are some colubrids that are either difficult to sex, period, or difficult when they're really small. So that was kind of the the main focus, Um, but during my dissertation, um, part of the work I did was um, I was looking at about 10,000 eggs and babies that the Sutherlands, the the snake keeper, um, people that are into ball pythons probably have a pretty good idea who they are, TSK. Um, So Mm -hmm. they had taken data on about 10,000 eggs length, width, weight, individual eggs and the whole clutch and, you know, what order they hatched out and just, like, all this stuff. It was really cool and it was really nice that I could incorporate that into my Ph.D. And so that's what my dissertation was on was essentially breeding traits in ball pythons up over, like, a eight- or nine-year period and these 10,000 eggs. Um, so anyway, part of that was they had several instances when there were twins. And so when that happened, um, all but one of the times, the morphs were the same. And so they thought, you know, they're probably identical twins. And so I was able to figure out a way to do some genetic testing, some help from a publication of some people in Australia that figured out some, some markers to use to do essentially people call it like a genetic fingerprint or in uh, forensics, it's the same kind of thing if they're trying to figure out who, you know, whose DNA is left at the crime crime scene. Um, you mm-hmm. use these same type of markers. And uh, so I was able to use those markers to show at like one times 10 to the minus 20th or whatever probability is like one in, you know, trillions chance that these were not uh, identical twins. So it was very, clear the majority of those babies were identical twins and actually nick submitted some some sheds as well and so i had some carpet python twins um as part of my dissertation as well and so that's another thing that that i i have been able to do for the last 10 years but i'm going to make that available and uh, thankfully now um, technology's improved what back then probably would have cost me um I don't know, it's probably close to 10 times what I can do it for now. So I can essentially do it at a price that would be worth people. So say they want to register a breeder animal, I can do a DNA fingerprint on that animal and save that in database. And then any babies from that, people have questions, I'd be able to tell whether it's really related or not. Um, We can also do parentage testing. So I had um, somebody... Um, contact me a year or two ago about a green tree python clutch where there were two sires. And uh, so one was, uh, you know, worth more than the other and wanted to know for sure uh, which which of these two males sired because we know, especially from species where there's different morphs, um, like in ball pythons, we know multiple sires happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And so this would give us a way to be able to test and know for sure which, which of the two sires actually sired each individual baby. And it would be at a price that isn't too bad. Hmm. So those are kind of some of the ideas, um, and things that I have going on. And, uh, another thing that would be helpful for people to kind of conceptualize, um, what's going on with the DNA and and genetics and, and this testing, um, I I tried to think of a couple of analogies that I think would help. And so, so one, um, the first thing that I think would be helpful for people to understand is uh, when you're talking about DNA and chromosomes and alleles and, and uh, you know, all those terms, Um, I think an easy way to think about it is if you wanted to write down the instructions on how to make, let's say, we're going to make a carpet Python. So you're going to write down the instructions on how to make a carpet Python. So you have, you know, it's not going to fit on one page and uh, might even be, you know, such a big amount of pages you can't even fit it really in one book. And so if you kind of think of, of the instructions on how to make a snake, how to make the carpet python, think of each page as being like a gene. And this is a little oversimplified, but I think it will help people understand how the different morphs pass, you know, how the Mendelian genetics and and polygenic traits, things like that work when you can understand how the DNA is packaged. So if you think of a gene Mm -hmm. being a page... And you think of a book being a chromosome. So that that pages that are grouped together in that one book, um, they travel together usually unless there's some crossing over, which sometimes mixes up the pages um, between the book that you get from the mom. And so for every chromosome, you're gonna, you're going to get one from the mom and you're going to get one from the dad. So you have two copies of all the same genes. But if you go to mm-hmm. page seven and look at, gene on page seven, the, the actual words you got from the mom might be slightly different than the ones that you got from the dad. So the words that you got from the mom might say, uh, during neural crest cell development, the melanocytes will travel quickly through, and the one from the dad might say, they travel slowly through. So it's really only mm-hmm. a change of one word, but when they travel slowly through, you get a jag. And so that's the difference. And so that's how, that's why you get different alleles and that would be a heterozygote because it only has those instructions that lead to a JAG coming from one of the two parents. And uh, so hopefully that helps a little bit. So I think a lot of the time people just think of DNA as just all of these letters floating around in the nucleus, but they are gathered together in chunks and you have the same information from mom and from dad it's just there might be slight differences so these mutations that we get are are you know changes in a couple of words on that page and that changes what happens to that animal
1: okay Hmm. yeah and that's that's a good way to uh to look at it (laughs) for I hope people so well. like <laughs> for like for people like me and owen that <laughs> we need a dumb down i guess <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's pretty
0: good
2: and it's the um so uh, I, I i'm just trying to get the whole concept with the whole like were you taking samples of stuff right, i guess we'll get into this stuff i don't know, i really want to you know go ahead am, am that, i like. taking
3: samples now
2: Yeah. Or, I mean, have you, like, were you running around, like, sticking every reptile you could get your hands on with a needle so you could have DNA to look at? No.
3: And that's that's an excellent question. (laughs) So, that's a a great question. And that's a big benefit to me, what I'm trying to do. So, for a DNA test for, like, birds usually people are going to have to pay $60, 70 to the vet to get that done because you're drawing blood from a bird. <laughs> so a normal person probably isn't going to feel comfortable doing that, especially if it's a $3,000 from car or something. Um, so in our case, it's it's actually incredibly simple. So if you decide that you want to send something to me to get a genetic test done, all you do is wait for that snake to shed. The only enemy you have in saving that DNA information is moisture. It's just fine if it sits at room temperature or it gets a little warm. If it got like over 100 degrees, then maybe there'd be some damage. But um, mm-hmm. So what I tell people to do is when that snake sheds, you take the shed out of the bin and you mm-hmm. get a Ziploc bag and write the name of that animal or if it has a number or however you're going to refer to that, make sure you know what animal that shed goes with, write that on the Ziploc bag, set the Ziploc bag on top of your cage or your rack, and set the shed on top of the Ziploc bag until it dries out. So just wait a day or two till it dries out, put it inside the Ziploc bag, and then put it in just a normal envelope and mail it to me. That's it.
2: Ben, I don't think you are aware of how much white-lip shed you're about to get from me. Like, it's <laughs> going to be insane like it i i there's gonna be some so i'm just letting you know so yeah
3: i'm i'm very happy to do it i've got a whole bunch in my freezer from people that that i've bugged over the years to send me stuff and ones i've kept and i will happily take more <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs>
1: so, so yeah, that's I the mean, really
3: nice part is that it's very simple that there's a uh, one researcher that did a test, he left sheds out for nine months, and they still he still got good DNA that he could test from. Awesome.
1: Okay, we got a question in from uh, from Warren Booth. This um, for uh, parentage or animal registration. What type of DNA marker are you using? Um, RAD sequence. If so, what number of single nucleotide polymorphisms are being targeted in regards to genetic testing is the parentage or a basic genetic fingerprint to the extent of what you can do.
3: So to start with, I'm probably only going to be looking at, so uh, the, the, uh, the, the, essentially for, for Dr. Booth, I know he'll understand what I'm talking about. I'm looking at microsats, microsatellites, and, uh, there are several that were in a paper. I think it was Jordan, but you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, there were mm-hmm. several that uh, an Australian researcher published several years back, and they're the ones that I reference in my dissertation. And so okay. there are several there. Um, I, to start with what I found with, Python, with ball pythons and carpet pythons when I did my dissertation, uh, most of the time three markers were enough, and I'm probably going to start with five. But over time, I would like to match, like, what they do in dogs and and I think birds as well. But I know with dogs, I I think it's around 15 to 20 markers. So I plan to expand out to that over time. But unless people have really inbred – so if you have a collection of animals that are fairly inbred, um, Mm -hmm. then, you know, they might just be homozygous for everything. Then it would be difficult to tell them apart or get unique um, markers for them. But the vast majority of the time, like the uh, the ones that Nick sent me that were from uh, twin granite carpet pythons, they were the most homozygous um, out of all of the samples that I looked at. And but they still did have some heterozygous markers. So so I think five will be okay to start with. But I can certainly expand out. For For my full, full-time job, this is the exact same kind of thing that I do all the time. I've been doing it for for over fifteen years, so it's something that I know very deeply, very well, and will be able to adjust quickly if I need to.
1: So is there a certain can you do this at any like if you know babies hatch out of the egg, you can just send the sheds and you'll be able to tell the sex of those animals?
3: Um, so right now, what I can tell you is colubrids, uh, that I've tested so far, which are kind of the mainstream ones, corn snakes, milk snakes, king snakes, um, just kind of the, the, like I said, mainstream colubrids, those I've tested, mm-hmm. those all are good. So the colubrid test seems to be pretty good. Um, but what I would ask, so like there's a couple people that have told me some colubrids they're working with, um, that I have not tested that genus, I would just ask them to send the parents' sheds as well. And as long as those test okay, I feel comfortable running those. Um, so far in vipers and elapids, um, I'm good, but I would say that's more in beta testing than the grids. So pretty much any species that, that someone would want to send me for vipers and elapids, I would want to run probably three or four known males and three or four known females and make sure it matches. And then I can go ahead and, and run any babies, and I would feel pretty comfortable with that. Um, so colubrids, vipers, and elapids are where I'm the farthest along. And the reason why that is, and Dr. Booth knows this very well, <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason why that is is the chromosomes in advanced snakes, which are colubrids, vipers, elapids. Um, if you look at them, so like our example we were just talking about, where you you have these books, those are your chromosomes. So Mm -hmm. uh, in a king snake, the, and with, with advanced snakes, you have ZW sex chromosomes, which is not what you have in pythons, uh, which is a really cool publication. Dr. Booth was on, Um, but anyway, so the book for a Z chromosome and the book for a W chromosome, the W chromosome book is like half the size. And so it's obviously different. You can see from a long ways away. Oh, that one's a Z, that one's a W. If you try to open those books up and figure out what's different between these two, it's really easy to see how different they are. When you look at the books, you know, for the X and Y chromosomes in a python, they look exactly the same. So I've looked oh. pretty deeply. I the I did some – this isn't published or really been talked about much, but I did a very similar um, – Dr. Booth, the paper he was on, they did rad. what's called RADSeq. I did a very similar thing. And I ended up uh hitting an exact same um scaffold that uh Dr. booth hit, and it is one that's the same uh if in the in the uh Burmese Python genome and mm-hmm. if you trace that back to the anol genome that that chromosome is homologous uh to the same one uh as when you take that back to colubrids so it's essentially it looks like what is a z and w in colubrids is a X and y in python so it's homologous sequence but the way it's making an animal male or female is very different so it's pretty cool and and uh dr boot has a really really awesome opportunity to be a part of that research that would be fun Um, but for me, I'm, I'm just trying now that I kind of know a general area. So the, the whole Python genome is like 1.5 billion bases. And so now that we've narrowed it down, so we have these, you know, what is it? And I think it's like, is it 18 chromosomes? So we have like, you know, over 30 books, 15, Mm -hmm. you know, about 15 from each parent um, to look in. Well, now we've narrowed it down to just two books, (laughs) And there's two books to go through and even within that I know just a few pages that I need to look on and it ends up, you know, still being about two or three million base pairs, so it's still a fair amount to look in. <laughs> but I am getting close. So the bottom line with Pythons, I am not to a point where I can just take a shed, any given shed, and tell you what sex it's from, but I do have uh, some sex specific markers that are linked to whatever's actually causing this, this sex difference. So I was reading one paper. I can't remember what species it was. I should find it and remember this, but um, the difference between male and female in that sex is literally one base. That one base changes. It's a male. If it's one thing, it's a female. It's just that one base. So, if it's like that in pythons, it's going to be really difficult to get down to a point where I know where this one base is. Um, So hopefully it's not that complicated, but what I do have is some tetranucleotide repeats. So these microsatellites, it's a specific type of marker
4: that we Hmm. use
3: in, in molecular biology to do this DNA fingerprinting. Well, what happens is say you're in the X and Y books. Well, when you look in the Y book. It's so for that's the male specific chromosome in Pythons, just like it is in humans. Um, mm-hmm. on that y chromosome, there's this one specific spot that actually causes an animal to either be male or female. Well, I have a marker that I know is close to that because I can see I have a really cool set of samples where I have multiple generations, I know how the animals are, are related to each other. So I can mm-hmm. look and see that this specific marker passes. But if I then flip to a totally unrelated uh, individual, it's not the same sequence. And so I know it's not the actual sex determining, or I'm pretty confident it's not the actual sex determining sequence, but it's linked to it. So, so when, a, hmm. when a cell divides and it wants to get all that information to make a snake into both of those new cells, that information for sex determination and this microsatellite marker that I have, those almost always travel together. Now, every once in a while, you'll have a crossing over event happen in between those two, and they'll split up. So what I don't have enough information yet is to tell you... How much of the time? It might only be 1% of the time. It might be 10% of the time. I can tell you it's not 50%. Otherwise, I wouldn't be excited about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, Hmm. So essentially what that all boils down to as far as submitting samples is if you have a male that has had many babies or you're planning to breed him quite a bit, what I can do right now is you can send me that. Sample and I can I can essentially do uh, you know a DNA fingerprint on that male, but I would include this marker that I know is is linked to this sex determination site. Mm-hmm. And so what that allows me to do is if I know at least one of his offspring or his dad or his mom, any of those three, and then him, I can look and see okay that marker passed from. Um, which which of the two, so he's going to have two sequences. He has to be heterozygous at that marker. Um, and then I can see which of those two came from his dad or which of those two went to uh, an animal we know as a male. And then I know that's the mar- That's the sequence that's going to pass to the majority of his male offspring. And so it might not be 100%. It might be 99 In ball pythons, they have what's called the banana or the coral glow gene. And Mm -hmm. that one is this exact same kind of thing, but enough of them have been bred. They know it's about 90% of the time that um, mutation will travel on whichever sex, along with that sex determining site. Um, So I, one other kind of analogy that I wanted to give you that will kind of help, I think help you um, conceptualize like what a, a PCR test is, and what I'm what I'm doing, all these tests looking for things. Mm. When you Think of um, Where's Waldo? So, see, so okay. you get a Where's Waldo book. You flip the page open. You try to find Waldo. Uh, what most people will do is they'll figure out a search image. So it might be like the shape, you know, the the wave of his hair. It might be how his shoe is. But there's some mm-hmm. part of of Waldo that you're going to focus on, you're going to think of that specific shape as you scan the page, right? And then when you see, like his shoe, the shape of his shoe, that's how you help pick it out. And so okay. that's essentially what we're doing with PCR. What we're doing is I'm, I'm saying there's a specific sequence I want to get, but what I do is I choose a small part of it at the beginning of it and at the end. So we always have to have a forward and a reverse, But what I do is I give it this specific sequence, the search image to go through all the DNA and the whole genome and then see, okay, that matches up. That, that looks like the shape of his shoe. And then we can look and see, we can amplify that up a whole bunch of times, blow that up really big so that we can see very clearly, okay, that's Waldo. So that's what we're doing with PCR. We, We use these two specific sequences that are just scanning through just like you'd scan a Where's Waldo page when they find the sequence that matches that little search image then it just amplifies it up a whole bunch of times and we have little fluorescent molecules different colors for A, T, C, and G so it just blows that up and you can see very clearly what every single base is and so with all these tests that's what I'm doing I'm trying to figure out what parts of the genome I want to look at and then what specific sequences i want to use to amplify that signal up and see exactly what's going on
1: okay, okay. <clears throat> oh Owen. oh i thought uh, you were going to say something aw <laughs> I, I,
2: I was thinking about it and i'm trying to formulate it, but go ahead don't wait for me so i'll, <laughs> I'll figure out how i want to phrase this stuff so
1: okay so all right so we talked about the PCR. What does PCR stand for? That's
3: polymerase chain reaction. So in in your cells, each time a cell is going to divide, you have to copy that whole genome. And so what, um, this is back in the 80s, uh, Kerry Mullis, what he figured out was a way to um, take a specific protein and be able to do what's done in the cell, do it outside of the cell in vitro or in a, you know, in a, a dish or a tube to be able to amplify okay. up DNA.
1: Okay. All right. Um. <clears throat> so, so are you're doing, are you doing colubrids and stuff now? Like you're, you're able to send that to you now to where yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Should, I mean,
2: like, are are you currently looking for samples of species maybe that you haven't had interactions with? Like, you know, I have my Vietnamese Blue Beauties. You want their sheds? I'll mail them to you. So, I mean.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Anything, you know, especially if it's something, like, for me, my personal drive, what I'm passionate and excited about is, I would love to be able to do this for for any species that it's helpful to someone so any species that that you know any of you're keeping or breeding and you think that would be helpful to be able to have that test available to people then yeah I want it <laughs> I want to have that and and test it make sure it's good to go um if it's a species I haven't worked with at all then I I mean I'm not going to charge you anything because you're helping me um once it's to a point where I have th- something set up, good to go. Then I'll start charging people so that I can fund figuring out the next one. <laughs> okay. gotcha. so that's, that's how that's going to be paid for. So the next wave, you know, the next big jump in the Python sex determination test is going to cost about $5,000. So I'm going to have to get some money together for me to be able to, to do that next wave. Um, what I want to do there, so it, each step costs quite a bit and we've already I've put in a lot of time and and Sean's put in a lot of money <laughs> to <laughs> uh, get to where we are now. Um but we're like I said to a point now I think I have enough that I can do for people that we can start to kind of self-fund um the next the next step. And uh gotcha. What I, you know, there's other things I would love to do. Um, an example, so I, my Ph.D. I did in an animal science department, and with food animals, so we have captive bred animals, but for food, agriculture, um, specifically, we were looking at beef cattle, and we had a very cheap test. We're talking, you know, less than $10. They can run this test on a sample from, and they could even just do it from a hair sample, um, so the, these breeders would send in hair samples and we would run it and we would be able to look at 40 or 50 different markers that have to do with how well marbled the stakes would be from that animal, you know, from its offspring. And so oh, we could wow. tell them less than 10 bucks, you know, we have these markers and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially back then to get those markers developed, but it was worth it in that in that uh, business because you know that's how people are fed and if they're able to improve their genetics to have better stakes then you know they can stay in business and if they don't then other people might out-compete them so i would love to do something i could see something with corn snakes or ball pythons or any of the species that have these uh, a lot of simple mendelian genetic traits Uh, Mm -hmm. which like with green trees is not the case, Um, but, (laughs) but uh, like carpets too, there's, there's several that are simple Mendelian traits. So we could, it would be expensive and take a while, but I would love to be a part of figuring out where albino is, where pied is, where, you know, these different types of albino are. And it would also Mm -hmm. be cool from an academic standpoint, because there's been very little done. I think, I, I know I saw a paper, I think it was corn snake albino, somebody did figure out the exact sequence, what the mutation was, and then figured out what that gene does and why that would make it a melanistic, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. That's the only one I've seen myself. I would love to do more of that, but, but it does, you know, cost money and take time. And so the more of these other things I can do for people as a service and get money to put into more research, then I can do fun projects. So you send me a corn snake shed and I just, you know, run it for these 30 different genes, 30 different mutations that we know people breed. And I can tell you which of those it's set for. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. Oh,
1: cool. So, like, (laughs) I'm going back to ball pythons, but, like, you know how sometimes the, you know, that people will say, well, they don't really know what, they know that this gene is in it, this gene is in it, and this gene is in it, but they don't know if this gene is in it. You would be able, well, maybe the hope is that you would be able to someday... Yeah, be able to say okay.
3: Yeah, that's yeah.
0: pretty awesome. If, if we knew
3: <laughs> if we knew specifically what base changes cause us like yellow belly, like in ball pythons, they're are those mm-hmm. color enhancing genes that are cool and helpful in some combos, but you stack so many of them together, it's hard to tell if they're there or not, like fire and and yeah. uh, yellow belly and orange dream stuff like that. So yeah, if I knew those sequences um, specifically where they were, I can do the well, Where's Waldo thing and find those those sites and blow them up really big and do it really cheap. Um, then yeah, I would be able to tell you yeah that's for sure yellow belly or that you know has yellow belly in it or whatever that would that is possible. The technology is there, but figuring out what that sequence is does take a lot of time and and sequencing costs have come down. Amazingly, so back in 2000, when I was in, in grad school, it took years and millions of dollars for them to, to sequence the whole human genome. Well, this, mm-hmm. the beginning of this year, Illumina, which is one of the next generation sequencing companies, they announced that within the next, I think it was within the next five years, um, they're going to be able to get the cost to sequence an entire human genome down to $100, and they'll be able wow. to do 48, 48 different human genomes in, I think it was either a 24 or 48-hour period, which is wow. crazy. <laughs> wow. So, so it's it's awesome. cheaper than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but it is, you know, it's it's still kind of expensive. And if it's for animals that aren't feeding people, there's not as much money there. Um, but I, I hope to, I hope there is, Enough other people excited about this, and that can sincerely use this service to help them in their breeding and keeping, um, that that we can use that to help fund do some of these these fun side projects that to this point have been difficult to fund.
0: Well, well to destroy
2: the Dinker projects out there. He's just going to be like, you know, oh, I don't know what it's head for, him. and Ben will be like, I can tell you right now, boom, it's something <laughs> in it. someday. So, you know, um, but. Uh, what I find is that this could really definitely help is a lot of people where sex determination is so hard. Like a lot of this with uh, monitor lizards and stuff like that, it's it's, it's a crapshoot. They guess this is a pair of Nile monitors. You won't them, you put them together and then one might rip the other one in half. And you're like, well, guess they were both boys. It's like, that's, I definitely see that helping out. Yeah. in That determination. Have you worked or, started with anything with monitors at all or
3: i have not still um, to do? i would okay. love to yeah i would okay. definitely love to there is one already uh available commercially available for komodo dragons right um so it's been done in komodo dragons i am not aware of any other lizard sex determination tests um i've looked quite a bit maybe i've missed something but But, yes, I would definitely love to do that for monitors. I'd love to do it in helas. I'd love to do it in blue tongues. Um, Those are all species that I think people would be very, very interested in having that.
1: I mean, I'm just thinking out loud, but wouldn't it be – wouldn't this be something that, like, zoos would use and stuff as far as, like, making sure that they're outcrossing and not inbreeding and, you know. Okay. Yeah, definitely.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so some of the the testing that I know Dr. Booth has done is much more comprehensive, a a much larger part of the genome. Um, So Mm -hmm. where I'm just talking right now about looking at, you know, five markers or maybe 15 or 20, um, it's nowhere near, you know, looking at a whole genome, but but it would still give you a very good um, idea of how inbred a specific animal is. And for me, as a purchaser... I would love to be able to see that. And that was a really cool part of, of working with the Sutherlands. I could see their breeding data. So for them, it wasn't DNA, but I could see their breeding data. I could see females that were, you know, obviously very good females had, you know, larger clutches that had higher percentage of live offspring and all this stuff, higher percentage of babies that do really well. Um, so I knew, okay, if I ever buy snakes from the Sutherlands, I'm going to buy them from that female. Um, so I like this for me as a purchaser. If people were registering animals, had them there, and were willing to share that information, you could look and see how much homozygosity. So if by that point we have 15 markers, you can look and see how many of those 15 markers that animal is homozygous for.
4: And the more of them they're
3: homozygous for, the more inbred they are. And So like, like uh, Dr. Booth kind of mentioned, when he was on, on your show not too long ago, Um, there can possibly be worries about outcrossing and and, uh, inbreeding. Um, Mm -hmm. I can tell you from captive reproduction of of vertebrates, which, like I said, in my experience professionally, is mostly agricultural animals, um, there's way more of a problem with inbreeding depression than outbreeding depression. So I I would always feel better buying from someone that, I know has been doing outbreeding. And if you could actually look at genetic fingerprint, and see, oh, you know, they're, you know, only only three or four of those markers are homozygous out of the 15, I would feel a lot better than the majority of them being homozygous.
1: Well, I mean, wow, that's pretty awesome. I'm just saying, another thing is, is this what you would use to find out, you know, how different, species are related to each other? Just uh, is is this the same type of test that you would do, but maybe just more in depth to find that out? That's
3: a, yeah, that's a really good question. So when you're going to develop a test, when there's a specific, when we call them, you know, assays, so we we want to develop a specific assay, um, there are very, very different markers that you want to use or different parts of the genome you want to look at. So
4: mm-hmm.
3: if I want to tell the difference between two species, I want mm-hmm. to stand fairly far back when I look at it. And I want to, you know, be looking at sequences that are that are fairly similar even across different species. When I want to tell an individual apart from another individual, so two brothers apart, you got to be way zoomed in. You're looking very close at every single little base, and you want to find a place like those microsatellites I was talking about, when you're Mm -hmm. looking at microsatellites, you're looking at something that changes all the, you know, uh, when I say all the time, once again, it's an oversimplification, but it's something that, that changes much more frequently. It might not necessarily be, you know, over one generation or two generations, but it's a part of the, probably the best way to think about it is it's a part of the genome that is not important for a cell to live. So it might be, what's called intronic sequence or non-coding sequence so it doesn't make a protein that's important for the cell to live when i want to tell two individuals apart that's the sequence i want to look at because that can change those bases can change and an animal will still live but if you zoom out and you look like in it and you're you know looking at a difference between two species then you can start using genes and things like that big bigger more important things because those, those animals will still be alive even if there are changes, you know, slight changes in those genes or whatever. Um, so, so basically as a very long answer to your question, um, <laughs> when you want to tell the difference between two individuals, um, so that, you know, what we talked about with, uh, the where's Waldo, what you blow up that you'd use the same test to do it, but what you're <laughs> focusing on is completely different type of sequence. You want that to be very similar between species, only little differences between species. Whereas when I'm looking at the difference between two brothers, it has to be something that if you look between two species, it'll just be 100% completely different and not make any sense.
1: <laughs> You're too right, gotcha. So at some point, would you be able to finally put to rest that age old question, what is in my carpet Python? <laughs> that's
3: yeah. That's a great question, and I I personally think there's a lot of people that would love this. So anyone that's into um, locality breeding or mm-hmm. you know, species specific or subspecies specific breeding or whatever, I think uh green tree pythons, scrub pythons. I, I'm I'm fairly python focused, so that's what I've mostly mm-hmm. kept, but. I'm I'm sure it's the same thing in in different boa localities and other species, too. But, um, yes, so once we have enough information coming in, um, Mm -hmm. so we have enough samples submitted, and what I would like to do is get some very specific sequence. I wouldn't necessarily need to get the DNA. I could just get sequence from people in Australia, but have some sequence that I know came from, you know this GPS coordinate. Here's the picture of a jungle carpet python, and this GPS mm-hmm. GPS coordinate, and here's a picture of this coastal carpet python. Um, I would like to have some of those. But it, over time, as as we build a database, um, yes, we could do kind of like an ancestry thing that people do, like 23andMe or whatever. You pay a hundred dollars send in a DNA swab and and they'll tell you what percent, you know, European and what percent, you know, African or whatever. Um, That's something that the technology is capable of doing. What we would have to do first is build a database. And the way we would do that is if people are registering their breeders with us, we're doing this DNA fingerprint on breeders, then we would be building that database. And not only could someone say, well, you know, I think this is, I was told this is an offspring of this specific blue chondro. Is that true? Well, if that one's in my database, I can tell you, you know, that I can rule him out. That's essentially what I could do is say, well, out of all the markers I looked at, this animal doesn't have any of them, so it's not likely that it's an offspring, um, especially not direct offspring. But over time, we would also, as that database gets bigger and bigger, um, so down the road we would be able to do, that bigger question of what kind of a or what's in my carpet python. But that would take right. some time and, and people being excited and, and wanting to, to make progress in that. And like I said, I'd love to do it in scrubs. I'd love to do it in you know, if this if this is a similar thing in, in lizard species, I'd be very interested in that too. Um right now, me personally, I am used to using um Python markers, but it's so cheap to develop more microsatellite markers um, mm-hmm. and fast, that I could do that in any species. When I first started, one of my first jobs back in probably 2005 was developing some microsatellite um, assays for I think they were pine beetles, and that took me probably four or five months and a pretty good chunk mm-hmm. of money that the PI paid. Well, now for a thousand bucks, I think it was a, there's a copperhead one. And, you know, I just got five or six at the end of what I did, and they got like, I was like 4,000 or something like that um, wow. very quickly. So it's it's way easier to do now. Um, so that any species that people are interested in beyond pythons, if there's enough interest, that's definitely something that we can do.
1: I just think of it from the standpoint of like, I think of so many things are popping through my head right now. And just in yeah. when we're talking pythons, like for instance, like, you know, when you see a diamond Python, you're like, man, it really looks like a diamond Python, but you we can't tell it. because we don't yeah. know. I mean, you could then yep. in theory test it and you would be able to say, yes, it is. Or no, it has jungle in it or coastal or whatever,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yes. which
1: would be. Wow. I mean, that would be awesome.
2: We've gotten to the point now where, like, for Christmas, my sister got me this DNA test for my dog. Like, you swab the inside yep. of his mouth, and you put it in the mail, and you send it, and they send you out this little print of what the hell makes up your dog. Um, yep. I haven't gotten it back yet, so uh, that just furthers my belief that my dog is oh, from boy. hell.
0: Oh, boy. But, you know,
2: that's just, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if we could get to that point where you send the shed in and, you know, then you could give, like, a detailed thing of, like, what percentages we're looking at here. And, and that could follow that animal around for its entire life. So, you know, yep. even if it changes hands, as long as the paper goes with it, we know. So yep. that's
0: fantastic.
3: And if uh, somebody yeah. sells an animal, say, you know, this is the this specific animal. It's registered there. It's this, you know, offspring from this, you know, well-known individual. And so you pay the money, get it. You, for whatever reason you question it all, you just send me another shed. I'll tell you if it matches or not.
0: Yeah. So then you would know
3: if, if that person wasn't being honest. <laughs> well, it's
2: also good. Wow. It's like it, it's a shame this is coming down now because there's so many famous animals that have shot a lot more cold. Like, imagine how easy it would be to figure out if something was MBB line because MBB was registered as a genetic breeder. You know, yep. is is my red Madame Blueberry line? Why yes, yes it is. Or no, 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 it's not. So you know that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of that every caramel that I've ever sold has been linked back to my original pair, and it's like, I I I want to go downstairs and force my female to shed right now so I can just quick register because it's like, is that a is that a caramel from Owen? Well, you should. You know, it, it does it link back to this one girl? Then yes, yes, it does. It is. Completely. So, I like this idea.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I of course geek out on it big time. Like, there's probably not been a single day that's gone by in the last three years. I haven't been thinking about this. I love this <laughs> stuff. So, I think it's awesome. I think there's a thousand really cool things that we can do. I think everyone should do it. But, you know, we have to see how much other people are interested. If there's enough interest, I'm gonna run with it. I'll I'll put as much effort into it as I can. I would be. I, I, I would, would love doing be. it. I think there What's would have
2: that? to be. I think there would have to be. I mean, people get the genetic testing just to say that, like, oh, my dog's got a Rottweiler in it. Like, okay, this actually has a, um, you know, a, a, almost like a purpose, like you were talking about with the cattle, where this is this this is potentially good for your breeding stock and it, it fixes all those unanswered questions of, you know, I'm breeding pure jungles. Are you sure about that? Maybe you want to test that. Maybe you want to double check that. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yep. And I just want to throw a little caution in there again, to be able to be that confident, it will take some time, people submitting samples, but yes, uh, over time, uh, we should be able to get yeah. to a point where, where we could do that pretty pretty uh, confidently. And then the really cool thing is 20 years from now, if we keep <laughs> doing this kind of work, we can see over time from, you know, wild-caught specimens that we do these same, you know, look at these same markers. We can even see if if we see some change in those wild populations and uh could also get some people in trouble if we see some markers <laughs> Oh we yeah. an <laughs> <But if laughs> oh yeah i, I didn't of, think about that these these are markers I might uh might make some enemies if if the government starts asking me to test samples <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's cool have to watch out for that yeah but, yeah but yeah it, it would i mean there's a lot of things that i would geek out on big time and I, I would love you know, doing a monthly newsletter or something like that where I keep people updated on, you know, just this this kind of information, what's changing in, in uh, reptile genetics, you know, what we're learning. There's there's some very cool stuff happening in academics like Dr. Booth's work. That's really cool and exciting. Um, I geeked out on his paid, his paper that came out last year forever. I actually thought, you know, a couple of years ago when I was 100% completely uh satisfied with the thought that that pythons are xy i just thought about just putting that on my facebook just say just so everyone knows pythons are xy
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh, all the
3: literature to that point said no um but i i knew uh it was very very clear to me from what i was seeing and from just the the banana coral glow thing that was going on it was very clear they're xy so anyway, I would love to do something, keep people up to date, you know, that are interested in that and then also, you know, what what new assays we're working on and even podcast I listen to is a, a guy that talks about online marketing and and his business, he's set up several businesses but he, you know, just reports out, you know, hey, these this is how many you know, how much interest there is in this and that and I mean you can see for the different businesses he started exactly, you know what interest there is, what kind of money is coming in and how things change over time. Like I, I love that kind of stuff when it has to do with Mm -hmm. this subject that I am, you know, so excited about, I don't care about (laughs) it. I've never looked it up for his because it's stuff I'm not interested in, but
1: right. Yeah. It would be fun. That's awesome. Cool. So, I mean, uh, we kind of bounced all around on the various topics that we were gonna hit on, but um, I mean, you know, just going back to the I just want people to understand, like you know a lot of people that listen to the show, maybe they're into green trees or something like that, and like one of the issues that with green trees is always like you know you don't know the sex, they're too difficult to probe until they're older that at that point, you've put you know a year in. to to raising this animal and you think it's a female and you know like you're buying chondro well maybe it might be bad for chondro people because they're buying they're selling like you know like four or five at a shot now you only have to buy two you know if you could be able to tell what the sex is you know that could just change that market entirely yes yes definitely
3: and that's probably the people we've talked to the most over the last couple of years um, in developing a Python sex determination test. I think okay. the people that would be the most excited about that would be green tree python keepers. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, so so right now, anyone listening um, that's interested in that, definitely get in touch with me. And I'm sure we'll we'll get contact info at the end. But but yeah, um, I am willing to take. Take samples in. Um, I can test males and be able to tell you if they're heterozygous for the, the linked markers that I have that I know are near that site. Um, and then uh, I'll be able to give you the best information that I have. Like I said right now, I don't have a large enough sample size to tell you. I know it's 90% accurate like the Ball Python uh, Coral Glow linkage. I, I don't know for sure about that, but Uh, quite yet, but I I do know that it's pretty well linked. And uh, so anyway, if you send male male sheds in and I test them, I Mm -hmm. tell you, okay, that one is heterozygous for at least one marker, then from then on you could send any offspring from him as long as I know, like I said, if I have one offspring that I know is for sure male or female or if I have at least one of his parents that I know is for sure male or female then any of his offering after that, I would be able to do that test for you. You just send me the, the sheds and I can do it. Now I also hope six months from now or whenever I can get that money together to do the next run, I hope I get lucky and I can find the actual site that does determine sex. If I can okay. do that, then that won't matter anymore. So that right now it's a little more tedious. That's why we've kind of – waited to to talk about this because we wanted to get it to where send me a shed i'll tell you what sex it is i kept trying and trying and trying and i haven't gotten it quite yet but i hope within the next six months or a year the next time or two that we kind of go through the sequencing we're focusing in more and more on the spot where it has to be um that as soon as that happens then that goes away you don't have to test a mail anymore you just send me sh- any shed and i'll be able to tell you I'm okay. 100% confident that that will be doable. I've done it with many different species um in my PhD work. I did it with some some sex determination tests and some primate species and some some deer species and you know it's the same types of tests that I do at my work all the time. And so it's doable. It just we got to like I said those two books, the Python mm-hmm. X chromosome and the Python Y chromosome are just so similar. It's hard to find where the, what page it's on and what specific words are different. <laughs> okay.
2: So is there something that like, would you, is there something that any of our listeners can send to you? Like sheds from a certain type of green tree Python that would help with this? Or are we, are you guys pretty much good on that and you're just waiting to uh, bump everything up?
4: Yeah, it, it would also.
2: always
3: help me. Um, okay. It would always help me to have probably the most helpful um, samples for me to continue to develop stuff is if you have known um, San, uh, Siren Dam and then offspring from them that you know that they turned out to be male or female. So I know how they're related and I know for sure what sex they are. That way, when I do this, the, you know, the next batch of sequencing, what I want to be able to include in the sampling is I want to be able to include groups that are closely related. So what would be ideal is for them to be highly inbred, but one's male and one's female. The reason why that would be is if you look on the pages in that book, everything should be exactly the same from one animal to another except for that sex difference.
0: And okay. so, so if
3: I can have animals that are closely related and I know what sex they are, that's helpful. But then I also want to have another group, the same thing, that's completely unrelated. And so that way, if I see something that's interesting in one group, it looks like, okay, I'm only seeing this difference between males and females. This might be it. Then I'm going to go to another group that's unrelated. If it's there as well, then I might have finally found it. If it's not there, that's kind of like what I have right now is markers that that do seem to travel on a specific sex chromosome consistently within a family but when i go and look at a completely unrelated family it, it's not there so I, I i don't have the right spot yet <laughs> so any any additional samples like that i would be very grateful for and like i said you just Set it on top of a rack, on top of a Ziploc bag, let it dry, put it in the Ziploc bag and just put it in a normal envelope. If you have several you want to send me, just get a cheap dollar, you know, padded envelope. You can put a lot of sheds. You'd probably fit 30 or 40 sheds. And when I say sheds, if it's a baby Python, I would just include the whole shed, unless it's like a, like a, uh, you know, Burmese or something. Um, but what I really need is really only like an inch square. So I don't okay. need like, if don't, it's an don't adult, the
0: whole thing. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. If it's an adult, you know, Burmese, I definitely do not need the whole shed. <laughs> just take, okay. just take a one inch square, cut that out. So if it's like the size of a silver dollar or even a quarter, the quarter is probably closer to a square inch. If it's the size of a quarter or, you know, it's always good to err on the bigger side, a little bit bigger than that, that's plenty. I'll be able to do several samples from that. Um, okay. I don't need, uh, and I forget to tell that to people sometimes, and people will send me, you know, one one big padded envelope, but it only has one giant shed in it because <laughs> I forgot to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just a like, one-inch square is
2: really all I need. Okay. So, like, I'm thinking about this when it comes to what, potentially you might need any kind of examples for everybody out there right now i have um my two adult caramel carpet pythons and i got them Uh in 2009 so i have them i also have uh four daughters of the female the male uh i've used various males over the years so i have four daughters of the of the female original caramel i also have two of her sons and then now i have two of her grandchildren which is a Female and a male, I should just send all of that to you, so yes,
3: especially okay. if you have that that specific information about how they're related. I think oh, yeah. that's helped me quite a bit compared to um other you know other groups when you try to a lot of the the work where you're looking at at Python genetic genetic markers, stuff like that, a lot of the time you don't have that related you know that information on how they're related to each other, and mm-hmm. so being able to have that is has been very helpful to me if I didn't have that information, I wouldn't be able to do any testing for Python sex determination right now. It's only because I had samples like that that allows me to do this this test right now to be able to test males to see if they're heterozygous for a marker. so yeah, the more of that I can get, the better i would I would love that and like i said if you if you send those in to me now when well, yeah. I'm still developing this, I'm going to have a genetic fingerprint for that animal for you and so you know i i can easily you know send that information to you or you know we can formally get that you know registered uh we have someone um developing software stuff so that's going to be you know a little bit of time before we mm-hmm. can do the the registering um you know formally as a service quickly and you know that kind of stuff but but uh sending in samples now there's definitely a benefit to that. The other thing that, that Sean and I talked about was uh we would be willing to and I think probably this week, um I'm gonna set up a GoFundMe page.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
3: was gonna do it today, but actually one of my kids has been really sick and just about got admitted to the hospital.
0: <laughs> oh, but they no.
3: they said that she's she's on the border. She just um yeah, had some GI stuff going on and so anyway, I was going to work on that, but I was worried about whether she's going to be in the hospital tonight or not. And so, as long as she makes it through the night without any more throwing up, and she doesn't have to go to the hospital,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's so we're crossing thing, our but, fingers. Yeah, hopefully. You know, like yeah,
3: but anyway, that was so I'll, I'll set up a GoFundMe page, and what we're going to do with that is, um, once again, this you know online marketing kind of an idea. Um, from podcasts I've listened to is just to kind of test the market, how interested people are. If people are willing to pay for something before it's, you know, completely worked out and and packaged and ready to go, it's a little bit more like, like, you know, crowdfunding kind of an idea. Um, But what we would do is for every dollar that you donate to this GoFundMe page, which is going to go directly to developing these assays, um, when you want to have assays done, um, that will be $2. So we'll essentially mm-hmm. double whatever you've given us while that's available. Obviously, when lots of things are available, that won't be, you know, the GoFundMe page will go away. But for now, we'll have that. And so if you know that you want to do some, some calibri tests or test some male green trees or something, you know you're going to do that anyway, then that's a way to get it at half price. You could just mm-hmm. put that money in the GoFundMe page. And then when you send that in, you get double whatever you put in there towards that service. That's
2: awesome. So now how long do the sheds – do you have any idea how long sheds last? And is there any way to preserve it? Because if I'm going to send you out, like, my whole little family tree breakdown I got over here, you know, should I just send you each animal as it sheds with, like, a little index card of what the hell it is and how it's related to everybody else that I sent you? or can I kind of shove it in the fridge and then send you all one big package?
3: Yeah, so whatever's easier for you, whatever you prefer. If you are Mm -hmm. going to store them, like I said, the number one enemy is moisture. So you want to make sure it's dry before you put it in the Ziploc bag. Once it's in the Ziploc bag at room temperature, it's good for nine months. If you wanted to be extra careful – at least nine months. That's how long the grad student left it sitting out and tried to extract from it and it still works. So um, it's probably longer than that. But um, what I do personally, I'll I'll make sure they're dry. I'll put them in a Ziploc bag, then I put them in the freezer. And if you do that, then they're going to be good, you know, probably 20 years or more.
2: (laughs) Okay, perfect. So that means I can start just building up and then eventually just send Ben a box of sheds with Bags and cards and
3: like yeah. Christmas. <laughs> but as you can imagine, if you're just sending one inch square in a Ziploc bag, I mean, you can fit a lot of those into a padded envelope. Yeah. You can probably easily fit 50 in there. So True.
2: All right. That's awesome. I do like this idea. So, uh, I, I mean, for as far as the uh, – I mean, we we've kind of already talked on, like, the parenting test and stuff like that with the genetic – fingerprint? I mean, is that something you can do now or is it be, are we still, that's going to be something we're going to need the DNA of the wild animals for?
3: In in pythons, I can do that now um, okay. at like the, you know, five marker level. So it's, it's not a super in-depth one, but it's been good enough so far with what I did with my PhD to tell individuals apart. Um, and like I said, I'll add to it later. So I can get that DNA fingerprint what I can't do is tell you um, for sure what those markers mean.
4: So I can okay. tell
3: you the identity of an individual, but I don't know. So like, say I, I run the test and I get, you know, a 206 and a 210. So those are the, the fragment lengths of, of the two alleles that I amplified up. So I amplify a little part of a page in the book from the dad and then a the little part of the page of the book from the mom that make the snake, and I get these two different lengths. So the, mm-hmm. the, page, the the words are a little different, One, you know, between what you got from mom what you got from dad. So it's headers, I guess You have these two different lengths. Well, without a database of known markers, I can't tell you what 206 and 210 mean. Now, after I've gotten 50 or 100 or a couple hundred samples in, especially ones that have GPS coordinates, that kind of stuff. I might know the only time I've seen two Oh six before was in a wild jungle carpet from this specific area. And so then I'd be able to tell you that. So Mm
4: -hmm. I,
3: I just, I won't know, but if you send them in now and I have that, then five years from now, I might be able to just shoot you an email and say, Hey, by the way, your animal is the only one that matches this specific, you know, wild caught one or whatever, you know, that, that's when I'll be able to kind of add color to what that fragment length is. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes some sense.
2: It does. Um, well, the eventual idea of this is to uh, potentially kind of uh, maybe even answer some of the questions of how certain genes are passed. I mean, I'm uh, thinking about, you know, Borneo's blood short tails, where the genetics are so up in the air or, you know, even with us, with the XANEC of how, you know, we really weren't too sure of how it's passed on. Would that be something that once everything is, or when the sample base is large enough, you'd be able to kind of maybe even figure out how that stuff moves around?
3: Um, that that specific type of, of project would be very similar to figuring out like where albino is and where right. you know, those kinds of things. Um, and that will be, that will take some time and, and focus. And so it just have to be if there's a lot of interest in this kind of stuff and sequencing costs continue to come down, then we could, yeah, we could figure those things out. Um, the best way to figure out, I think part of what you're asking is, is the mode of inheritance. So whether it's a single gene um, passing like simple, a Mendelian trait, or is it two or three genes or, I mean that the best way to do that is to have people do very specific types of crosses. So if you breed like the and I I don't know enough about Borneos, but like if you breed a marble Borneo to another marble Borneo, what do those babies look like? If you breed a mar- mm-hmm. marble Borneo to a normal, what do those babies look like? And if you do that enough times. Um, you should be able to use statistics and these models for simple Mendelian traits L, whether that's one gene and whether it's, you know, recessive or or dominant or mm. incomplete dominant or whatever. Um, but that would, the, the fastest cheapest way to figure that out would be from kind of controlled breedings and recording those results and doing it enough times so that's what's kind of difficult, especially I would imagine something like Borneo's, where there's not a lot of breeders that that produce a hundred clutches in a year. Nice. Um, it's going to be difficult because probably most people keeping them are you know producing five, ten, maybe twenty clutches a year. Um, with the ball pythons, like the southern ones I worked with, where they're producing over a hundred clutches you know, you can get a lot more data quickly and it's easier to remember, you know, we we sometimes have a hard time and we'll forget, you know, five years ago what we bred and what the outcome was. Um, But if you can breed a whole bunch in one year and compare them all, it's a lot easier to keep that information unless somebody is, you know, focusing on it and, and recording it. And so that would be more like breeding genetics and test processes and stuff like that. And that's, definitely been done lots of times in lots of different species and, and uh, if people have that kind of data, I would happily do statistics on it. That's stuff that I did for my PhD as well. Okay. So
2: this is, the, I mean this thing is very exciting but it's definitely still in kind of like the in, you know, beginning or intermediate stages of stuff. So obviously you you do have an extremely large pool of keepers and breeders in the united states that you know if ever if a lot of people showed interest we could definitely get this moving in the right direction pretty quickly especially with having such a large sample size like you just said in the beginning of the show you have a hundred animals i have a hundred animals and that's two of us (laughs) so it's like yeah yeah, that's 200 animals already um which aren't related to each other and all that other stuff so it's uh, it's one of those things where uh this could definitely kind of catch on like wildfire and you get, you could be drowning in shed samples and stuff if you're, you know, yep. not careful. So <laughs> and I would
3: love that. And I have Sean to help me. We can scale up. I live right by Virginia tech. I can bring in, you know, either students or newly graduated individuals that know how to do this kind of stuff and scale up really fast. So <laughs> I would, yeah. love, it would nothing that would make me more happy than to do that.
2: Dr. Ben can just offer a one credit course in testing snake sheds and you'll get flooded with people. So
3: that's right. <laughs>
2: this is slave labor undergrad. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah.
3: It's hilarious. Like I, I've joked about it many times, like whether I'm working on pine beetles or Daphnia or snakes, I mean, I'm, If you guys have watched CSI or any of those shows, I mean, most of the time it's a little teeny bit of clear liquid in the bottom of a really small tube. But me knowing that it's a snake that I'm really interested in, that little teeny bit of clear liquid is freaking awesome. (laughs) And if it's from a pine beetle, I'm not anywhere near interested, (laughs) even though it looks exactly the same. (laughs) So my job will be to get, you know, Three or four, or however many you know, depending on how much interest it is, get a bunch more uh, uh students or recent graduates really excited about that little bit of clear liquid that came from a snake
2: <laughs> or a lizard uh, yeah that would be the uh i mean that that would definitely be the ideal part I mean this is kind of uh limitless when it comes with that so uh would you would you want people who are going to send you samples to include? I don't know, like like I said before, an index card of uh, what the animal is or what is known about the animal to kind of paint a picture of what you're looking at here?
3: Yeah, probably the easiest would be to assign the animal a unique name or number and write mm-hmm. that on the actual Ziploc bag. So just write it right on there. If you want to be extra thorough, you could write it also on a piece of paper or print it out on a small piece of paper and just tear it and put it in the bag with it. So okay. it's very important for me to know what what shed goes with what unique identifier, whether it's a name or a number, I don't I don't care. It just needs to be a unique identifier. But then just send me an email and say, you know, sample zero zero one is the father of all these animals, and sample seven is the mother of those animals. and So just kind of give me some, some kind of, um, especially if you have how they're related to each other, just do that in an email. The, uh, you know, I mean, you certainly could, uh, and I have had people do this, where they'll send me um, an index card He actually, for each shed, he put that in an individual Ziploc bag, and then in a big bag he put them together if they're from the same clutch and then had the adults in there and had a card that showed, you know, mom and dad what they were and then these, you know, list of these babies. And so I had that card in that big Ziploc bag. So that's great. I mean, however, the more organized the better for sure. But if you at least have a unique identifier and send me an email and tell me how those are related to each other, That's like the minimum amount for me to be able to have all the information I need when I do more testing.
2: Okay. Um, so like going through the uh, uh, the form that Eric sent us over that, um, I I totally missed this before. Um, do you you something about how you might be able to uh, show any kind of animals that were produced from uh, stored sperm or parthenogenesis?
3: yeah yeah so that's one thing from uh Dr. Booth when he was on with you all
0: yeah um he
3: was talking about um the fact that there's a chance especially at least what's been recorded in the literature um in pythons. I would probably be the most worried about um short tails or or blood pythons um uh, but there's a the potential um case where you let's, let's go with uh, an albino. Let's say you breed an albino male to a normal female Mm
0: -hmm. and
3: one year, and then the next year you breed an ivory male to that female, or I guess that probably, let's say another simple recessive, another simple recessive trait. Well, the other way around, let's do it this way. So first year you breed um, uh, a matrix, a normal. The next year, you breed an albino to that same normal. So mm-hmm. you, that second year, you're going to sell all those babies as being 100% head albino. Right. Now, if you had a matrix pop out, then you'd be like, oh, well, that was stored sperm from the year before. But what could happen is, out of 10 babies, seven of them might have been sired by that albino and they really are HETs, but the other three could have come from stored sperm from the year before, and they could be normals. And so you would sell them as heads because you assume they came from that albino male. And so if there was ever a time where you're wondering or worrying about that, um, I, uh, doing the uh, DNA fingerprint, that same you know, looking at those markers that are, you know, really zoomed in, tell you differences between specific individuals. Um, From that, I would be able to see right away if you send me um, the albino male and then those babies, I could tell you right away, oh, that baby did not come from that male. It's impossible. Um, And then also parthenogenesis, um, what would happen is you would end up with all those markers being homozygous. So, and none of them would have come from the male. It's all genetic information from the mother. And so that would be obvious. Like that I could tell just by you sending me just the shed from that individual. It would be best if you send me the shed from the mom and the dad as well, just so that I could make sure that things make sense, that it's a double copy from the mom. But um, but anyway, even just from that individual, um you send that to me and it's, you know, homozygous for all the markers, then yeah, it's, it's from parthenogenesis.
2: Well, and the other potential thing here is that you could potentially wipe away the, uh, 66 or 50 something percent possible het, because then it would just be a simple test to see if the markers were there and that thing
3: is carrying yep. the gene. Correct. All right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that one, that, that is, is one that will, will take some time. For each right. each uh, gene, you know, each mutation you're looking at. So but yes, that's definitely doable.
2: I mean, so Here's a question: to Include morph information, like I mean, morph information as well on these uh, samples that they're sending you. Like, I should tell you which ones are Jags and which ones are other things, correct?
3: Yes. Yeah. Right, right. now, I definitely. I'm most focused on the sex determination tests, um, you know, developing those. So I wouldn't be doing that right now. But, yes, if if I have that information and three or four years from now there's enough interest and we're doing that, if I already know, okay, I have seven samples from Owen that are that I know are JAGs and then, um, you know, brothers and sisters that I know are not, then I don't even have to, you know, email you or call you. I already have them. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that would right. be great. Any any information, like I said, the more detail, the more organized you are, the better for me because there's more that I can do with that sample. It will be useful in more tests the more information I have on it. Um, but, you know, for what I'm doing right now, I kind of gave you the bare minimum before, and if people can match that, that's awesome. But, yeah, any more information and any more, um, you know, detail and organization you, you give me, even more useful that sample will be.
1: Here's a question, Ben. If you have, you know, you see these uh, genes that pop up and they pop up from species to species, are the markers the same? For instance, like we say spider and jag, is that is that marker the same even though that it's different be, species?
3: Yeah, that would be an excellent little project that I would love to do, you know, and zebra and, uh, is it batik?
1: Batik. Yeah. Batik. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I would love to be able to test that and it's definitely doable. It's just takes time and money.
1: (laughs) Here's another question. Would you be able to tell, you know, how the debate goes back and forth about like pinstripe having a super or, uh, what's the other one? Um, spider spider. Would you be able Those to tell if that is in in fact the super
3: um if yeah, if I knew specifically where that the mutation was like in in ball python spiders um mm-hmm. it's it's extra interesting because you have Blackhead, which is allelic, so it's that you know same page in the same book where the spider mutation is, you also have this blackhead mutation,
4: and it right. actually
3: kind of rescues it. So if you have an individual that got blackhead from mom and got spider from dad, it actually looks pretty normal and it acts totally normal. But when you breed it, every baby is either going to be a blackhead or a spider. So that's pretty cool. Um, But anyway,
0: um, so yeah,
3: (laughs) if, if I know specifically where that is, I can, you know, do that. Where's Waldo thing? Find that, blow it up really big, look exactly what's going on then yeah we would definitely be able to tell so if somebody had you know with spiders that seems to be very similar with jags you end up with this all white snake that either dies in the egg premature or just after hatching and uh we could just you know get a get a tissue sample and and be able to run that and see that it is homozygous for that mutation.
1: Okay. Would it be possible to find out if, like, Lesser and Butter, Candy, and Toffee are actually the same thing?
3: Um, what, yes, yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. What I would expect we would see with um, Lesser and Butter, mm-hmm. what I would expect we could see if we can zoom in and look exactly what's going on, I mm-hmm. think what we would find is that there are, so there's the specific site, so the, the specific page, where if you have the information to make a lesser, then you're going to get a mm-hmm. lesser, or if you have information to get a butter, you're going to get a butter. But I think two pages away from that, there's going to be another page that that says, okay, you're going to be a lighter color. And so what we think of as lesser and butter um I I believe there's going to be another gene that's really close in that same book that makes a difference on how light it is. So if a butter is generally a lighter color than a lesser, it's not because of just the sequence. It wouldn't surprise me if the sequence is exactly the same for lesser and butter, but two genes down, there's one that if it's a specific way, you get a butter, but if it's another way, you get a lesser. That would be my guess, but I don't I don't know for sure. But that we definitely could look at. It is also possible that 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 mutation is a little bit different. So if you have like the the example with jag before, you know, neural crest cells go through quickly or neural crest cells go through slowly, there might be one that says neural crest cells go through medium. <laughs> And Uh uh, it would be a change. It might not be the exact same base change or it might not be the exact same site. So you might change a different amino acid that would make it look a little different. So it's a mutation on that same page. So it's the same gene, the same page that's being affected. So it is allelic, but it's a little bit different change and that's possible. So with lessers and butters, it's, it could be either of those two. It could be that, that one spot that there's a slight difference, or it could be there's a linked gene really close by, so just a couple pages away in that book, that same book, that sometimes is really light, sometimes it's it's darker, and that's what the difference is. So it's it's one of those two things, and, and we certainly have the capability to figure that out. It's just time and money. That's it.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. What everything comes down to, right? (laughs) Yes, and
3: and that's the kind of job I would love to have. If there is the the time and money to do it, I would would love to do it.
1: (laughs) So basically, all these questions that have plagued herpticulture for the past, what, 20 years, you would actually be able to somewhat give a, you'd be able to test it and find out, you know, What's going on? Could you would you be able to? I I don't know. This might be a stupid question, but say you had an animal that you thought was genetic, would you be able to see if that was genetic without?
3: Um, From a you know from a DNA testing standpoint, probably not. You well not as you would first of all have to so to for me to be able to develop a test to to figure out, you know, what albino is, I have to have a group of, of individuals that I know are albino and a group oh, that are gotcha. not. Okay. So if you I have gotcha. a new a new look, you know, what people in ball pythons call a dinker project, so something novel that you can see with your eye is different. Right. As long as you have offspring you see that passing to you know, a certain way, then, you know, like say if if half of the babies have it in the first generation or it takes, you know, a first generation and bringing one of those back to the mom before you see it again, you know, that's how you kind of figure out whether it's recessive or whatever. So you'd have to write that out first before I really try to find that sequence. So gotcha. All right. So unfortunately <laughs> you have to do the breeding first on that one.
1: <laughs> no lazy ways out. <laughs> no. No. Now, if it gets
3: to a point where twenty years from now we have a very good fill for a high you know, high percentage of the color genes and the pattern genes in snakes, which I would imagine like one of your questions earlier that it's very likely that it's similar genes. Once we find it in corn snakes, like the first project I would do is take that corn snake. I'm pretty sure it was corn snake albino. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. that um, information and then just look for hom- homologous sequence in, out in uh ball pythons. We might find out, Oh yeah, it's just the exact same thing. <laughs> it might be a different base that changes, but it's that same gene. And then we can see it in, you know, all these other species too um so you know that would be a nice quick way to 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 start doing that but so if 20 years from now we're able to say okay we have these 30 genes or 60 genes that we know are color and pattern um, that affect color and pattern in snakes if you come up with a new you know like this new look and you think oh i wonder if this is genetic well, we could go in, if you take that animal and the siblings that it was born with or its offspring, If ha, you know, one or two have it and some don't, you know, we could definitely just screen those, you know, known areas that we know affect color and pattern and see if there's a change there. If there's no change that we can tell a difference, then it's probably, you know, at least in the genes we know of, it's it's not genetic. So in the future, that's something we could do once color and pattern Sequence is known in snakes, but right now, it's definitely not. <laughs> okay.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So, I don't know. Is there anything else? I I just want to make sure we get everything we possibly can out there. Is there anything that we didn't hit on that that you want would want to hit on or? Mm-hmm.
3: Um. I would say. Well, I guess. You know, I say. Th- all these things are are available or, you know, send me samples for this or that. Um, I I wish that I could have got more things set up today, which, like I said, I ended up worrying about my kid being sick. But um, Mm -hmm. within the next few days, um, I I plan to have a business name, which I won't give it out now because I don't want people to set up Facebook with that name. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Right. so we'll have a business name. We'll have Facebook and Instagram. Um, we'll set up the GoFundMe. We will probably have you know Twitter, other things as well, just so other people don't try to take it. <laughs> um, right. But probably Facebook is where we'll be the most active, putting out new information. Um, okay. We'll also have a website so that you can read about these different things, and I'll have I. I The way I see it is kind of, you know, if you're interested in colubrids, click here, and then I would give, you know, specific information or choices about information or tests for colubrids and then pythons and then hopefully expand that out over time. But um, probably the the best way to figure out what that will be, um, what I can tell you right now is, Um, My business page, which now is, you know, mostly ball python stuff, but it's reptile genetic services. So if people remember reptile genetic services, um, you can do that either on Facebook or Instagram. Um, Also my phone number, if you just Google my name and, and, uh, and phone number, um, it should come up. I think it's still on the Australian addiction reptiles page with Justin, but. I think it's also on Facebook too, but anyway, um, that'll be, you know, kind of the next thing, uh, for people to be able to know, you know, what's going on. If you right now are interested in sending things in, then just go ahead and contact me through either Facebook or Instagram, um, on that reptile genetic services. Um, you'll get me, and I check that multiple times every day. I can answer questions and as far as pricing, For the colubrid test, um, what we talked about, we're pretty sure will work is um, $14.99 for like a single animal. But if you're going to send in multiple samples, then we can get that down closer to $10 probably. If you're sending in, you know, 20 or something like that, I don't, I don't know for sure what that's going to work out to. But over the next, you know, few days, we're going to, especially if people are contacting, wanting to send. That'll that'll put the weight on us. So, okay, you got to make a decision.
4: <laughs> um, so,
3: so that but that's the kind of price range for for sex determination. When I have that all worked out, I know exactly where it's at, and I have a good test for it, like with the Colubrids. Um That's all, all set and ready to go. I can easily do it for fifteen dollars, and if I have a batch of them to do, I can do that cheaper. Um, each batch for me it would be at least fifty. If I have a hundred that's a really nice clean batch that I can put through and that's really cost efficient with reagents and time on the machine and stuff like that. So I can do it cheaper for you if I have a batch. Um, So anyway, that's the kind of pricing for that. Um, What else was I going to mention? Something else I was just thinking about. Hmm. Um, But yeah, for other things we've talked about, like testing mail pythons to see if, if they have, if they're heterozygous uh, for a marker, um, just get in touch with me. We haven't really figured out exactly how we want to do that. We might just take those in for free, test those for free, and then it would just be a charge to test offspring. Or we might come up with some, you know, some kind of a charge for that. Um, The registering animals, uh, you know, registering breeders say, you know, if people are interested, definitely let me know. The more people that are interested, the faster we'll make decisions and and put software together and make that happen. I'm not ready this second to be doing that yet as far as putting it in a database and, and, you know, sending you a card and giving you information that you can, you know, pass on to other people that buy babies from you. Um, That's not quite there yet, but I definitely can do the genetic fingerprint, have that, you know, ready to go as soon as we have that database and kind of have that flow or we, you know, can send you card back or whatever. Um, you know, I can do the, the hard part right now. And then when that infrastructure gets built, then we can, you know, send those out to people real quick. Awesome.
1: That's awesome stuff, man. Um, I did, uh, share your, uh, Facebook page, reptile genetic services over on our, uh, facebook page Morelli python radio um i share it in the chat as well so everybody has it there and then um once you get the GoFundMe and all that stuff just send it over to me and i'll, I'll make You'll sure it's all linked in the show notes and stuff like that so Great. so people yeah, can check that- it out
3: this is the other thing I was going to say. Any of you that uh, I know there are people listen that work at zoos, um, have something to do with uh, veterinary practices. Um, If you have contacts, people that, you know, work with a lot of colubrids or, you know, any, anything, or pet stores, if there are pet stores that would, you know, want to offer, it would be a pretty simple thing to, to offer, you know, just be, a little card inside of a Ziploc bag um, that they could sell in the pet store along with a snake, and then when that snake sheds, they just send it to me, and I I sex it. Just any way that we can find people that would appreciate these services, then the more money we can have coming in to develop new assays. So, um, you know, vets would be another place we could potentially, you know, find customers. Um, And then zoos, for the venomous stuff especially, in my mind, I, I haven't been in that, in that um, you know, area very much, um, so I don't know for sure. But it seems to me like that would be a great application for a sex determination test, which mm-hmm. everything that I've done so far, which isn't a lot, but what I have done so far, it, it works great. Um should, should work well. And so if any of you that either work at a zoo or have contact at zoos, if that's something people are interested in, um you know, once again, if they can send some known males and females, and I test them, and that works out, then we can start accepting samples and do that for them. And we'll obviously give good good discount on on group. You know, if you're sending a batch of fifty or whatever every six months or a year or whatever, you know, we give you a really good rate. That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Really cool. Man. That's uh like I said, uh, you know, I, I gotta I gotta go back and listen to this again. There's a lot, tons of info in this thing, but uh, I much. think that I think that you know what you're doing is could really change. I think it would kick us up a notch, you know. I think it would make us, uh, you know, I, I you know just with the parentage and the, the the you know finding out the genes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's just so much potential for what you're doing. Yeah. So anyway we can yep. help you man. We're here for you. Um Yeah.
3: I appreciate you know. it.
1: <clears throat> but a uh cool thing. we can get it going. <laughs> yeah. So uh all right. Um I guess I don't know, anything else that you want to hit on before we jump off or
3: nothing nothing else. I'm I'm just excited and I'm excited we're to a point where I feel like we're ready to Everyone know what we're working on, what we're trying to do, and and look and see how excited people are. And I hope that, like you said, there's you know it takes off. That would be beautiful. I would I would love that. It would be a lot of fun to to be a part of that.
1: To do this for your full time job? Oh man,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's the dream, right?
3: Clear liquid in the in the bottom of a little uh, a little tube. Just, you know, it's all reptile stuff.
1: I've yeah. smiling here every day. All right, man. Okay, cool. So yeah, when you get that, um uh Brendan, you're you're late to the, you're to, so the late. to the so party. Late to yes. the party, yeah. I mean, the idea God. is he we he wants to know that. if we can put to bed the age old question of what is in my carpet. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. At some point.
3: Yeah. Uh, Over time. <clears throat> It'll take some time, but over time, I hope to have the database together where we would be able to do that, yeah.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. cool. All right. Um, All right, yeah, I mean, if you have any updates or anything, even if you just want to pop on the show for, you know, just to to let us know where you're at or you have something new or something that changed or anything like that, man, just reach out and let us know. And uh, when you get all that other info, just let me know and we'll share it all around.
3: Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, and let yeah, us absolutely. know what you're looking for
2: uh, sample-wise. We can always throw out there saying that, you know, hey, guys, Ben needs this, and everybody send Ben this. So that works with <laughs>
0: Are
1: you yeah. sure you want that to happen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would
3: say for now, number one on my list would be, like I said, family groups of pythons. And uh right. you know, if you got mom and dad and known and, and that are known sex, you know, any any groups like that, send them on in any Python species and, and if there are any other species people are interested in, you get, you know, a group of people that, that uh are contacting me for a uh, for a species and uh, I'll wanna put the effort in and make it happen.
1: So, yeah, I don't know if going. you know, Ben, but I'm up to thirty three species of Python. I can I can make that happen for you.
3: That's awesome! Yeah. You are a good person to know, and uh, I, got the, I got the rest.
2: Whatever he doesn't have, I have over here. So yeah, we're good. This is yeah, it. with all yeah. those
3: <laughs> all those species at your house and all those eggs and babies at your house, that's making mm-hmm. it extra tempting to come to Carpet House, isn't it? Oh yeah.
1: yeah, come on, man! Oh yeah, you're not I've that far.
3: I've been talking to my wife about it. I think there's a decent chance I can pull it off. It's is it June ninth?
1: June, June
3: 9th, June yeah. 9th. Yep. Yeah, June 9th. I think I might be able to pull it off this year.
1: Oh, man, we'd love to have you there, man. That would be awesome, so. Definitely. Cool. All right, man. Uh, well, Let's we're going to get. Shipping. Cu- <laughs> <laughs> shipping, look, you cheap ass. You're going to. It's a freaking envelope. He if he's going to be
0: there, <laughs> you know. Like, hey, yeah, you know, nothing right. wrong with but,
4: you you know, that. Yeah, see, he's fine Arkansas
3: with it. Stuff. God. <laughs> god eric and any anyone that is too cheap bring the carpet fest if i'm not there then give it to
1: someone who's not cheap and they can send them to me
2: there we go. even better i'll just leave all my sheds at eric's
1: house
0: perfect <laughs> see, a plan and see months. how that
1: goes oh my goodness <laughs> all right no, ben. i'm gonna i'm gonna try to come
3: uh, that, that
0: would, would be
1: awesome good, man yeah sure um yeah. All right, man. Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to bow out for tonight, but thanks for coming on and, uh, yeah. Keep us updated, man.
3: All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, All right man. Good talking to you, Ben.
1: Talk to you. Bye. So what do you think, Owen? What do you think? A I think it's cool just awesome.
2: And I think this is, this is stuff that like, like dude, literally talking with Andrew, he's like, um, he's got his black throats together. And he goes, well, I th- I have, he's like, I have a male and potentially two females in there. I'm like, you don't know. He goes, God, if there was something I could do, or I could just like, I don't know, do a little bit of a blood draw and send it away, like, you know, he's like, oh God, it would be fan freaking tastic. So, you know, it's, it, there is potential for stuff there, and there's also people like me that's going like, well, downstairs I have. You know, to white lifts that have never bred. So you know, send it to Ben, and he goes, "Yeah, your problem, dumbass, is that they're both girls." So like, you know, that could happen. So
1: it wait, kind of put, you didn't probe them?
2: I probed them, but I'm, I'm just saying. Messing.
1: I'm just messing. I don't be a could. dick. <laughs> anyway, but <laughs>
2: it's that It puts to bed all the questions that has prevented things. Like you know, basically, it it it, it kills all the. uh, can't get a clutch because of this and can't get a clutch because of that. So mm-hmm. it takes away a lot of the question marks. So you potentially see a lot more people having success. So yeah, I'm definitely going to. I already wrote down the family tree that I got going on downstairs because I have my, care, potentially of my original Carmel female who is still alive. So, you know, I can give him all that stuff. So I can almost go three generations at this point so it's cool Um, and I have all the linkages back so it it, it would be something that I'm probably going to send him that entire group of caramels and everything who's related to everybody this way he has it so that potentially down the road it might make it a little bit easier to find the the sex determination in carpet python and stuff like that so why not very cool
3: yeah for sure man I, I dig stuff design
2: here. stuff and you know what I kind of also you know uh, I feel for Ben because like if somebody would pay me just to fiddle around with like you know liquid in a bot I would do that in a heartbeat are you kidding me you're like oh my god that's the dream <laughs> so,
1: okay. yeah yeah no kidding <clears throat> um all right man uh let's see so I guess before we jump off like I said uh I gotta I gotta email for a message from uh Evan he's gonna pop by next week and uh chat with us and let it down evan
2: you were supposed to be here prompt yeah sure
1: so uh next week i believe is uh is next week around saint pierre i think it might be yeah so so there we go uh that's that's gonna be an awesome episode uh for sure um looking forward to that one. Um and Rob kind of put the outline together for us, so there you go. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I I just figured I'd let you know that. Yeah, you, but, you did uh, that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, um that should be uh should be an interesting show for sure. Um and then uh I don't know. I know me and you were talking the other day about uh, different episodes coming up. I think there's a lot of people I have to go back and touch base with uh, to uh, get dates going. But, um, yeah, we should have I some cool shows coming up for sure. Yeah,
2: but the other thing is that we're staring down the neck of Carpet So, I mean, like, yes, that was the next topic, wasn't it? I beat you to it. But anyway, but it's yeah. like we, we always have the post Carpet show. And, mm-hmm. you know, what, what the, who the, whoever we're going to have on before Carpet Fest, it's like, it, it's like partially the, that show is devoted to that, too. So it, it's one of those things where, you know, we're definitely coming down to it, and, and we're officially going to say that if you are coming to the Northeast Carpet Fest, please get in contact with myself or Eric so we can have a head count as well as let us know what you wish to bring to Carpet Fest by means of food, drink, whatever – Uh, We ask that everybody bring one item of food um, that is ready to go uh, or drink that is ready to go, ready to be served, ready to be eaten. If it is not, uh, you're kind of required to make it so. So let us know if you need to use Eric's oven, if you need to use the grill, um, all that stuff, totally doable. Just let us know what's going on. And then also, if you are coming and you wish to donate an item to the auction or you are able to donate an item to the auction, this can be an animal. We ask that you do not bring the animal with you to Carpa Fest. Just bring a photo. No live animals. Photo. No <laughs> live animals. None. Yes. None. None. I will say it again and again, and someone will still break the rule. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You can put the animal in the auction. Do not bring it. Send Bring us a photo because we will be having the online auction as well. So someone might win the animal who isn't at Carpet Fest. So definitely put animals. You can bring vouchers, and you can bring items too. You can decide that you want to take the logo from this year and print it on something really cool and bring that and throw that in the auction. You can decide that, I think, uh, was it Keith McPeak last year just pulled out his buck knife and threw it in the auction, and it was like, all right, cool. So you can do all that. So it's like, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. A lot of stuff's going to be taken. Um, And like I said, you can put an animal in the auction. Just do not bring it with you. Send us pictures. We will put it in the auction. And then the winner will contact you about getting the animal to them via shipping and stuff like that. Also, if you win any auction item, shipping is on you. You have to pay the person who's going to ship it to you. So there. I think I've covered all the bases.
1: Yeah, Sorry. we're going to get more. Yes, yes. Starting probably mm-hmm. this week, we're going to be more intense. But now that all the other carpet fests are over, like we've done right. before, we didn't want to step in their spotlight or whatever. But now, now it's, it's our uh, time
0: to shine. Now
1: it's our time. So, so
2: uh, Ian Bissell.
1: <laughs> on
2: things. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, you know, if you're interested in helping out, By all means, man, you know, get in contact with me or Owen and uh, we're more than happy to help you. I mean, more than happy to have you. Um, The cool thing is, is that I would say this and, uh, you know, not that we're not we're not anybody important or anything like that. But, you know, those people (laughs) that do reach out and would help us, they become in the inner circle of. NPR. And when you're in the inner circle of NPR, you know, we do some cool things that, you know, from time to time, and you would be involved in that stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for sure. So there are perks to know. That's the only, that's the only thing I can do to, you know, try to make it worth your while if you were interested in helping, or maybe you just want to help like, you know, me, you know, and we don't ask for money. We don't have a Patreon. We don't have a GoFundMe. We do this all pretty much ourselves. Well, all ourselves, yep, everything. Um, <laughs> everything is, you know, paying for the podcast, all that stuff. You know, this would be a way that if you ever wanted to give back to us, this would Hell be a way
2: that you could. Yeah, it's yep, one exactly. of those things. Um, that's you know, all. I it, mean, like, just as far
1: as like if we had somebody, like, if somebody's interested in, you know, reaching out to people for donations and stuff like that. You know, sometimes it's difficult for me, and I know for Owen as well, and, you know, uh, especially, you know, with my crazy hours and jobs and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, I don't, I'm not the best person <laughs> when people are trying to get in touch with me, um, you know, to always be available. Um because you could have things like a car on fire in your parking lot of your store, and what? that happened really? the other day. yeah that happened yes. today? <laughs> I, swear, I, I shit you not, man. I mean, literally on fire. Right.
0: Well,
2: the problem <laughs> is, is that, you know, the biggest problem is that, you know, the car was probably on fire in your parking lot. I'm going to find out tomorrow that I insured the car that was on fire in your parking
1: lot. And once again, One we're God a pummel circle. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, but, yeah, I yeah, mean... I mean yeah, you know, we're talking about putting some herping trips together at some point yep. and whatnot. And and again, man, I mean, you know, if you're, you know, you want to become involved or want to get to know, you know, us or other people that are in the community or anything like that, you know, maybe this would be your way uh, to I do mean, it.
2: If you get 10 people to donate something to the auction, Eric will give you a poison ivy baby.
1: Settle down there, sailor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there are numerous, like, you know, uh, uh, there are numerous IJ people that just fell like out of their chairs. Really uh, hope that like, you know, uh, uh Steve uh, Katz wasn't driving or something. Cause he just spun off the road. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. If you did, I'm sorry. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it's sad thing. So obviously we were looking for the help and support to get this going and, uh, We'll be reaching out. I'll probably post something online tomorrow. Uh, The T-shirt sales were finalized, so look in the mail for those because they should start sending them out pretty soon. Everybody will have their T-shirts by Carpet Fest, so we already have the funds uh, waiting for the rest of the funds. Uh, We did raise up uh, a little bit over $700 worth of T-shirt sales this year uh, for Carpet Fest. So, yes, very nice. And then, obviously, going forward, we're going to have a bunch of new options and stuff for you guys uh, for every uh, booster that we do. So, should be good.
1: cool. Cool. Um, all right. I guess with that, we will uh, we'll say goodnight. So let's get go the down the list and get the hell out of here. So uh, for us, Moraleo Python Radio. Um, our website is moraleopythonradio.com, and if you're looking to get in touch with us, info at moraleopythonradio.com is our email. Uh, you can follow us on our Facebook page, uh, to stay up to date with, uh, whatever we have going on. Uh, as far as the Northeast carpet fest, if you are interested in, you know, learning more about it, or if you, you know, want to see what's going on or you want to be a part of the, the, the group to stay up to date with everything. There is a group on Facebook called Northeast carpet fest. That is where to go. Uh, we'll get you approved in there. So, uh, Think of it this way. I think the easiest – when I talk to my – I don't know about you, um but when I talk to non-snake people about what Carpet Fest is, because as soon as you say Carpet Fest, people are like, what? And I yeah. say, it's a snake <laughs> nerd barbecue. That's
0: it. <laughs> That's
2: that, what it that, is. That, that, that pretty much does hammer it home. Um, yeah. It's funny because it's like this has become almost some sort of like family tradition – for my mm-hmm. father and me for him to be like so when's Carpet Fest so when's Carpet Fest so when's Carpet Fest and then I tell him like numerous times and then like today he's marking it down on the like work calendar where it is when it is and what's going to happen so now it's like the I'm going to go and have Carpet Fest be looking over my shoulder wondering where he's going to appear from
1: so it's not just
2: <laughs> for snake people it's sometimes yeah. for fathers who want to torture their sons in public so you know that too so, but that's pretty much it is. It is a very large snake nerd barbecue. and We want everybody out there to come. You don't even need to do snakes. I was talking to uh, a guy I know, Tom, who breeds tarantula at Havoc Grace. He does tarantula and ball python. And I told him about Carpet Fest and he might come by. And I'm like, that's, duh. all right, that's what I want. I just want as many people as possible. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh, for sure one of those things where uh, – you know, it comes around once a year and if you miss out, you, you know, you will be disappointed. Or you'll be you will regret that you did. Kind of like Owen Will when we go to Australia. Stop but... it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop, 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 stop. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Can we get All through
2: right. one episode without you bringing it no. up? No.
1: No. Dude, where I mean, do I come back from Australia? I don't want to what talk the about hell? it. Not, just, no. <laughs> that episode no, you might quit. as well just <laughs> I quit. You I better resign. get pooped that night. <laughs> I leave. No. Dear Eric, I need a leave of absence on I'm gone uh, December 12th. talking about it. <laughs> yep. Yep.
4: I'm out. Um, I'm
1: gone. Quit. Right. Uh, yeah, next year the trip would be Indonesia. Man, I would love to go to Indonesia. I would go to Indo. yes. yes. That would be the following year. Maybe like uh, some of those. Uh, dude, how awesome would it be to go to Helmahera? I don't even know if you can get there. or how. I'm sure you can. How do you get oh, there? I get but
0: hold on, bullshit. we
1: figure it out. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yo. Uh, so, mm-hmm. wait. I got to. Wait, we're talking Carpet Fest. I have to hit on this point. So, you know okay. how I made the statement on the last episode about going to next year, going to all the Carpet Fests? Well, I guess our friends <laughs> over in the UK decided that they're going to have yeah, a carpet the hell fest hell in 2019. So, so now I'm so proud of them. Yes.
2: The <laughs> so international now, carpet fest, freaking finally.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All the carpets have come from uh, you know, over there. <laughs> finally they're, uh, <laughs> they're they're joining That's in. That's
2: not the point. Don't worry about it. But it's there and it's happening, and I love the idea, and I I can't wait to see um, how they do. I can't wait to see how it progresses. And of course, if they need anything from us, you know, please get in contact with us. We'll be glad to talk it up to have some people on. You know, I, I want to have, I want to set those guys up for as much success as possible because I want it to be. I want the first one's always hardest, and then yes, it, it's it's the idea of getting the next one. So you have Carpet Fest but then you have to really push to get it uh, to do it again the following year and then to keep doing it. So uh, I, des- I definitely want to see how they do.
1: So, I don't know if I could keep up with the Europeans when it comes to drinking, man. You would be dead. I mean, that's <laughs> obviously. <laughs> we might have to bring out the uh, the Howard Redding uh, weapon in order to keep up with them. And I don't <laughs> even know if he could keep up with them. Just send him. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. the other
2: thing is that, Apparently, you, you, for an official carpet fest, you need to have the Howard Redding stamp of approval. So we just send him out, and then, you know, he just goes, and this is an official carpet fest. So, yeah,
1: we'll just right. send him to the U.K. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's pretty cool. I hope that uh, that happens. But uh, good job, guys, over there. Um, anyway, uh, so myself, ebmorelia.com, um, and my email is eric at ebmorelia.com. Uh, you can follow me on my Facebook page or on my Instagram. EB Morelia is uh, for both. I have a ton of babies. <laughs> 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 this will not be a year where I do not sell. I'm about to have citrus tigers hatching out. I have all my IJs are pretty much hatching out. I'm waiting on one more clutch. I got, I got pretty good ratios on the double head exanic granite stuff. Um, as soon as I pick out my pair, uh, most of the first two clutches have shed, uh, mm-hmm. I usually try to get like five to 10 meals in these guys. And then, right uh, once they're established, I will, you know, hopefully they have some color. I'll pick out mine. I'll go down my list and then, uh, put them up. So if you're interested in any of the stuff that, uh, I got going, I, I would urge you to go to my breeding diaries page for 2018. <laughs> Uh, and check out the pairings that I have, and uh, just send me a message, and I'll put you on the list if you're interested yeah, in any of that.
2: that. It's a shame that Carpet Fest isn't like in like August, because then it would be like your door prize is you get the, well, get a baby carpet python. Get it out of <laughs> house, like, get yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Here's yeah, your carpet, I, please leave.
2: It's like
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know if. Uh, uh, People are coming there, man. I might. I'm selling adults <laughs> too, so you might. Uh, oh shit! Yeah,
0: Damn.
1: you might, might be leaving be, with know, a carpet I mean, if your you voucher,
2: want. Your voucher is up on that. Uh, is already on. I mean, I assume your voucher is already on, but we may want to just pick out one of your really nice adults and throw it on as a separate item. Because I mean, let's see how that goes. But
1: I am yeah, uh, thinking about up in for the Northeast Carpet Fest. So so far, I think oh. I've I've given one for everyone. Um,
2: Sucks, but um, it's wonderful.
0: <laughs> <I'm just enjoyable.
1: laughs> yeah. So what do I? We have the southern, the north, uh, what is it? The uh, southwest,
0: southern, south-west southeast,
1: southeast. So three. So this would be the fourth voucher. Yeah. Uh, There'll
2: be another. But one I'm thinking. Soon, so.
1: I'm thinking about either doing a couple. Of them, or one big one, like big, big one. So
2: I say do a couple of them because then we can. It gives the options of the people who didn't win the one to bid again. So it's like, all right, so you you know yeah. if somebody beat you out for the one. Well, they're not going to want to bid for this one, so beat them out again. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: And uh, we're going to hopefully try to be working that out where we're doing a live auction, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but, uh, we'll We definitely will be doing some uh, YouTube stuff from there for sure. Um, definitely. So, But lots of cool stuff. But anyway, if you're interested in anything that I got going on, just go over to my breeding diaries page. You can see what I have. Uh, I got the pictures of the babies that have hatched out so far, so far pre-shed, post-shed, etc. As they shed out, I, I put them up. So, um, yeah, check it out. Uh, And that's all I got. (laughs) All
2: right. So, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com, check out all the stuff we have going on at Rogue. I have very few babies left over from last year. Um, So, if you wanted to pounce on one of them, now's the time to do it. Uh, Also, in the next coming weeks, rogue-reptiles.com will be completely overhauled and redone for a new platform a new kind of flashier it's going to be very pretty so uh keep your eyes peeled for that a lot of stuff is going to wait what your website going to change yeah it's going to be completely huh? redone
1: did you yeah. switch companies that is doing it or I
2: did, I did and then i also um my sister is doing a lot more web design stuff so she offered oh. and i hired her so she's going to redo the entire website so
1: very cool.
2: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so there's Who
1: knows? Also. Maybe I'll hire her. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know, right? Depends <laughs> on how well it goes. <laughs> but um, also, you can go to facebook.com, look up Graph Tiles there, give us a like. Um, and the new, of course, the new website will have links to all this kind of stuff as well as my Instagram feed so we can get all that stuff going in that direction. As far as shows, uh, I don't have any coming up that I'm vending because I screwed up and put. Uh, allowed Carpetfest to happen the same day as Hamburg. But I will try to get back into Hamburg for the August show, um, and then we'll go from there. That's all we have for you guys tonight. Uh, what we'll say is thank you all for listening, and we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Amorelia Python Radio. Good night.